You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yelton, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, John McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Um, so, yeah, this will be fun. This will be a whole lot of fun on Saturday sacked six times. Still yeah. season. Yeah, 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 that's right. You got sacked a bunch in that game. Um, I, uh, you ready to do the mailbag, John? Sure I am. Let's do the mailbag. All right. You can email us, mailbag at gmail.com, mailbag at gmail.com. And let's start it off. Our guy, JR in Spicewood, he's, he's the first one in. Hey, guys, love the show. Listen religiously. After Dell got hurt, CJ joked that Tank could be back for the Super Bowl. How is Tank's injury progressing? And if the Texans make a deep run, could he possibly return? Keep up the great work. Let's postpone the offseason for as long as possible. I agree with that last part. John, I know the answer, but go ahead and give JR his answer on Tank Dell and him coming back and how he's doing. Uh, Tank is doing really well. He doesn't have any crutches or anything, and he'll be back in the offseason program. And he can't come back this year because the Texans have already used all their uh, – right. they've used up all their returns from – you You only get, as a team, There's only you only get eight returns from IR – for the whole season, and Kaimi Fairbairn was the final one for the Texans. Boy, that was a good decision, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. That John, that was—I'll say this: like that was really cool to see Tank walk out and do the cannon thing before the game as the rep in H Town uh, representative. Like that was—I I was encouraged just to see Tank walking normal and walking out there. You know, I—not that I expected this to be an injury where all of a sudden he's walking like Captain Hook or something like that. Um, but that was—I mean, we're less than a month removed from from him breaking his leg and he's walking out there to lead the team out onto the field. That was cool. Uh, quick one here from our guy, Dave in Buffalo. Who do you guys have right now as your favorite to win the whole thing? John, if you had to make, pick a Super Bowl winner right now, uh, who is it? I'm picking Baltimore because I picked them before the season. So I'm oh, hoping right. Ravens you will make me look good because seldom do I look good. If you had to pick a non-Baltimore team, who would you pick? John? 49ers, I think, as yeah. long as Brock Purdy stays healthy. I think they would have won the Super Bowl last year if they had lost all their quarterbacks. And I think the 49ers um, are the most well-rounded team. Like, like the Ravens, they're set up to win outside in the playoffs with great running games. Christian McCaffrey's hurt. They're gonna, he's got a calf muscle. They're going to let him rest. He could rest now for three weeks. So they should be 100%. Baltimore's in good shape physically. But I think the two best teams, I'd love to see it come down to both of them. If my dream scenario of Detroit and Cleveland 
fails to materialize. Yeah, you would love that. I The only reason I don't want Cleveland is, one, those people were real obnoxious when they traded for Deshaun Watson, and two, <laughs> the Texans have the Browns draft pick. Although, because if the Browns win the, get to the Super Bowl, then the best the Texans pick would be would be 31st. I will say this. That is a juicy, sexy storyline. If the Browns win a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco at quarterback, and then really because they spent so much money on him, have to start Deshaun Watson next year. Like that's, Flacco's gone to some other team, maybe even in the division. Maybe goes to Pittsburgh because they're tired of Kenny Pickett. And oh, I, that'd you, be a good one. Couldn't you see that, right? I mean, they got all the yeah. pieces and you throw Joe yes. Flacco in there. Yeah, that'd be fun. Rudolph right. and Flacco. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, all right, uh, John, our guy Chris in the ATL emails in, and he says, in my opinion, the Colts player who always hurt the Texans with explosive plays was T.Y. Hilton. Man, I hated that guy. Calls him the clown. He said, who is the clown on this Colts team you believe the Texans must prevent from making big plays to secure a win on Saturday? And he says, Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman Jr., or Will Mallory, who's the tight end? Well, first of all, that goes back to a quote. Jonathan Joseph, of all people, never, ever in his whole career had any kind of quote that could be misconstrued as as controversial. But I was there. He said it. He said he acted like a clown. And to T.Y. Hilton's credit, that's when they came here for the playoff game, I believe. Maybe it was regular season because they won both times in Houston that it year. It was the playoff. It was the wild card game. Wild and, card. And I think, yeah, he I think showed up in a clown mask. As yeah, that was pretty bus. funny. <laughs> Great sense of humor. But remember, he always called NRG Stadium his home away from home, and it's good that he's not there. To me, everything starts with uh, – Jonathan Taylor, you got to stop him. If you stop him, then at least you can get after Gardner Minshew, who has some mobility but is not a big running threat. When he moves, he's always wanting to throw the ball down the field. But it starts with JT didn't play in that first game. You know he's hungry to look good against Texans. He almost had 100 yards in that game in which Carolina didn't even show up Sunday. Yep. Uh, this is from Edmund, John, as we keep things moving with the mailbag here. On ESPN.com, I saw Bill Barnwell's list of top players in the NFL at each position. And I just guess to back up, Barnwell did his all-pro team. Uh, I saw it this morning, so it may, it may have dropped overnight. The only Texan on the list was Shaq Mason. He was the second-team right guard. Do you concur is Edmund's question. So, I, John, I'll take it both ways. Do you concur that Shaq Mason has had a good enough season to be recognized like that? And two, I think more so, do you concur that that's the only Texan that deserves any mention in something like this? No, because you're going to say Shaq is one of the four best guards in the NFL this season. I don't see it. Right guards. I think if I remember Barnwell's piece actually literally went left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle. Well, maybe, maybe he has researched them all and it was just a week here at the position. Shaq's been pretty consistent. Sometimes he's mediocre. Sometimes he's better than that. But at his age, he got a new contract. He's the only guy that started every game in the line. His durability should be praised. But I'd be surprised then if he was one of the two best right guards in the NFL. The Texans' best player overall is Laramie Tunsil. He consistently grades high as a pass protector. And uh, Trent Williams, I'm sure, was his first one. I can't even remember who the second one was. But when you're as bad as the Texans were for so long, you're not going to get a lot of love. Next year is when they'll start to get a little love with some of their players. And uh, 
because keeping them on position like that, there's so many good pass rushers out there. Will Anderson is number three in the NFL ahead of T.J. Watt in pressures. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. He's a rookie. But I wouldn't say he's one of the three best, four best defensive ends in the NFL because there's so many great ones. Yeah, he's got a chance to be that. John, the thing I'm looking forward to this offseason, I don't know how you feel about it. I like the NFL top 100. I know it's decided in kind of a, you know, janky way. You know, they pull a bunch of players players. vote. Yeah, a few players vote. I've never talked to a player who's actually voted. I've asked all of them that I've ever talked to. None of them has voted, but but I always I but whenever I watch, for one, I love the presentation. The presentation's great with all the presentations interviews. Presentations are best. You've probably been interviewed for some of them. I'm guessing you've popped up on the NFL top one hundred talking about some of these guys at some point when you've talked about them. The the presentations are great. Like there's little three or four minute vignettes about each guy. I, I love that stuff. To me, it's tremendous. Um, and I and I think the, the 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 rankings themselves tend to line up pretty close to you know what who cares it's the NFL top 100, except I'm anxious to see where C.J. Stroud pops up in the NFL top 100 this year, given how, the year that he's had obviously given how down a year it's been for quarterbacks, and I think generally speaking people really like C.J. Stroud I think there's a popularity element to it as well um, that pe- that's, I think it's why he's third in pro bowl voting last I looked among all players, not just quarterbacks. Like, I think there is something very, very easy to like about CJ Stroud. And I'm really anxious to see if he's, I don't think he'll be top 25. I'd be shocked if he's not top 50 though, in this thing, you know, top, top 50 means you're one of the top seven or eight quarterbacks. I could see him being up that high in the NFL top 100 this summer. I would think their number one would be Laramie Tunsil, no matter where he lines up. Usually Laramie's in the okay. top 25. He's okay. still their best player. Stroud, you know, just because he's played better than some other quarterbacks yeah. doesn't mean he's going to be better because players that vote, you think there's like 2,000 players in the NFL and about 300 yeah. cast their ballot, but I think a lot of them would still go with a the guy they know and are popular. One of the reasons CJ's so popular He's religious, and and he's sincere about his faith. He also comes from a football-crazed part of the country in uh, Ohio where they love him with the Bengals. They love him with the Browns. He got so much attention from the fans and the media when they were in Cincinnati before the game, after the game. So his popularity is is going to spread. And once he gets a foot in the door, it might not come out when it comes to the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I, I think so, too. John, so, John, you think Laramie Tunsil finishes higher in the NFL Top 100 than C.J. Stroud does? I do, yeah. Okay, that's a lunch bet. I'm betting you lunch on that, John. You the, got the, it. I got C.J., you got Laramie, and uh, the, the winner the winner gets lunch, courtesy of the loser. Um, all right, a couple more here. Uh, mailbag, H-O-U mailbag at gmail.com from Charles Honeycutt. Happy New Year, gentlemen. My question is for John. John, you probably get asked this all the time, but I don't know how much we've chopped it up on here. Do you believe Andre has a really good chance of finally making the Hall of Fame this year? How often do you get asked that, John, about All Andre Johnson in the Hall of Fame? At yeah. the game before, at before the game, pregame, you know, yep. you guys had Travis Johnson on with me, and afterward, yeah. he's over there telling me, you know, you got. I think it's time he gets in. Everybody thinks it's time he gets in. I think it's time thanks, he gets thanks, in. Trav. <laughs> and I'll tell you, uh, and Andre's been so great about it. I've seen him twice. I told him I'd call him before I make the presentation, because I keep him appraised of everything, every step of the way, what I'm doing. And I've told him I'm changing up my presentation a little bit this week. 
And I've got other people who are going to say the things that I'm leaving out because I want the voters to be heard by multiple people. They always are anyway, but I want to make sure the things that I have get in. We only have five minutes to make our presentation. Then they can come back to us for summation. And the problem is what it has been. Reggie Wayne and Torrey Holt, guys who won Super Bowl rings, guys who played for Hall of Fame coaches, had multiple Hall of Famers around them, which is something I hit on a lot in the first two years that he was eligible, but that didn't help him get get in. Last year, all three of them made the cut from 15 to 10. None made the cut from 10 to 5, which gets you – enshrined. So it's not that people don't think he deserves to be in. People say, oh, Andre Johnson deserves to be in, but so do Reggie Wayne yeah. and Torrey Holt. Yeah, I just think Andre's a better football player than both those no, guys. We all I, do. Yeah, I, I mean, I just think and John, you know how I can tell that Andre wants this really, really badly? I was watching that interview that Will Kunkel from Fox 26 did with him this week. And where he, he talked about a lot of things, talked about Andre's relationship with the McNairs, talked about, but talked a lot about the Hall of Fame. And he at, will asked Andre to make a case for the Hall of Fame. And Andre recited almost chapter and verse a lot of the bullet points that you just talked about that you probably talk about in the presentation. And it can come across, and Andre was cognizant of this, he acknowledged it. It can come across as him criticizing his teammates through his time with the Texans because his, his platform. I think Will said, give us your elevator pitch about you being in the Hall of Fame. And his lead was, look, those guys, Reggie Wayne and Torrey Holt, they had Hall of Fame quarterbacks. They had Hall of Fame skill guys, you know, out there. They had Hall of Fame coaches, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, and, and Andre said, I had none of those things, you know. And, and then, he, then he's quick to point out, you know, that's no disrespect to any of my teammates. These are just the facts. He's like, I can't catch any more touchdown passes. All I can give you is the facts of my career. I think that someone like Andre Johnson, who strikes me as one of the most selfless people that there is, like a great teammate, a great teammate, that he would go there, that he would go somewhere where he asked almost caveat afterwards that I don't mean it to sound this way sort of thing. That to me is a tell as to how badly he wants this, that he would even stray into that territory. You know what I mean? Well, they all do. And some of them are locks like Peyton Manning and John Elway and Joe Montana and Tom Brady and those those guys, but others, and I'm sure he's only been a finalist for two years. I know guys who are go to the 20th year of modern eligibility, their last year before they become a senior candidate, and then they get in. Jerry Kramer waited 37 years after his eligibility was up, mm-hmm. and he finally got in with the seniors committee. I want Andre to get in, but there's nothing he can say that's going to help himself. There's nothing he can say that um, the voters don't all know. because they watched him and they've heard me pitching him for two years. And so I'll do it again. I do the very best job I can possibly do. Same I did with all those Oilers that got in. And hopefully third time will be the charm. Hopefully so. Hopefully that's the case. All right, three more, John. Uh, Joe Q, frequent emailer, says um, he's got an observation about or a question about whether players – talks about great players are generally available. Like if you look at the the 15 longest – consecutive games played streaks, 10 of them are Hall of Famers, that kind of thing. Um, Being injury-proof versus injury-prone, how much does that impact the value of key Texans players when it comes to a second contract? He says one player who was clearly devalued by injuries was Clowney, 
he's consistently been very productive when he's on the field, but never got a multi-year contract after his rookie deal. He did get offered a multi-year contract by the Texans, but he turned it down. I'll, I'll point that out. He was John, offered guess- $75 million. They couldn't give him $100 because they were already mm-hmm. given Watt $100 million, and his right. agent, Buzz Cook, turned it down. Right, and now he's been this this gypsy for the last five or six years that bounces from team to team to team, playing pretty well. He's playing real well for the Ravens this year, Clowney is. But as far as – and I guess, you know, as we start to think about guys, if we add some context and specificity, a guy like John Grenard, how much is this ankle injury that he suffered just now, John, hurting him when it comes to his value on a second contract with the Texans? I think teams may – they're going to look at everything about his career and they would see he's hurt every year. If he misses one game, it's okay. If he misses two, and if he were to miss a playoff game, but people are going to think, do we want to give this massive contract to a guy that that can't stay on the field the whole year and the most games he played was in a contract year? So, yes, I think it's going to cost him some money as compared if he had just breezed through and gotten 14, 15 sacks. Yeah, I mean that. I think John. I think that's pretty high up there on the when when teams, especially second contracts, you can you can draft a guy who maybe had injury issues. The Texans certainly have done that, um, and it, it hurts if they do get injuries. I and mean, look at Kenyon Green, look at Derek Stingley, his first couple of years that hurts. But when you're giving fifteen, twenty million a year, you know, fifty, sixty million guaranteed to a guy, and he's giving you seven games a year or something like that, man, in a salary cap world, that is a killer, an absolute killer. They have all the insight, all the inside information about what the injuries are, how severe they are, how they suffered them. So they know they have a lot more information to go by than we do. Mm-hmm. But I think it's much tougher to get that kind of money that he's going to want if if you're hurt at some point every year than as, as opposed to being healthy. Two more. Jeff and Katie, how should the NFL handle Carolina Panthers owner Dave Tepper? You can't be throwing drinks on fans. Suspend him for the season of all team and league activities. Get him out of there. You would. Okay. So if you were Roger Goodell, who, by the way, works for Dave Tepper and the other 31 owners. Well, he worked for Dan Snyder too. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I'm, I'm being tongue in cheek. You, but if you were the commissioner, you would suspend David Tepper for a year, huh? Absolutely. Okay. He deserves it. You can't do that. There's players. Players are held accountable. Owners should be held accountable. There's no amount of money that would hurt him. If you took away a draft choice, that's just hurting players and the team. They got nothing to do with it other than being terrible. So they're already missing so many draft choices. I would get him out of there. Now, what he'll probably do, they'll suspend him for multiple games, tell him to take a hike, and uh, that'd be the best thing that could happen for the franchise. Dude, John, you hit the nail on the head. I'm like, God, I hope they suspend him for a year and the Panthers, I don't want him to win a Super Bowl or anything, but they win like nine games next year and then he comes back and they're back to picking first in the draft. That would be the greatest thing ever. All right, last one, John. This is from our friend Rick Tindall, who texted me before the podcast to say, is it too late to get a question in for the mailbag? And I said, no, just text it to me, Rick, and I'll ask John. I want to call foul on John's stock down on C.J. Stroud in the last episode. Just to refresh, John, remember you gave C.J. Stroud a stock down because of the sack that he took, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rick contends it was really a fourth stock up for the Texans O-line for only giving up one sack on a previously concussed C.J. Stroud. John needs to stick to the rules. That just shows you how little Rick knows about football. Because the offensive line didn't give up that sack. C.J. Stroud gave up that sack, and Rick knows it. Stevie Wonder could see it. but uh, And also, Rick, 
who would you have given that other stock down to? That's one thing. We were mm. really, really reaching we deep to yeah. come up with players, and that's all I could think of was the sack. Yeah, we were thin. We were thin. Actually, Rick's a football genius, Cougar fan, good friend of mine. No, I know. Rick's great. I, just, I thought it was funny. He was so passionate about it. He texted me like 10 minutes before we started recording. Is it too late? Is it too late? <laughs> he, he just wanted to tell you to stick to the rules. He's the Stroud police, John. He's not going to let you besmirch the good name of one uh, Coleridge Stroud before.